What we wanted to do right at the start is we wanted to write stories about lovable characters, insects and animals, that children can feel empowered by helping. And that was the conservation message that would be embedded in, into the story. This is episode 76 of the Get In My Garden podcast. I'm Aaron Moskowitz. I've been working on having an episode for a while about the benefits of getting children back into nature. I recently read Last Child in the Woods, now a classic book from 15 years ago, talking about nature deficit in children. After that book, I was invited to read a pre-release of another fine book that I ended up really liking and will tell you about shortly. It's actually just been published today, November 10th, by Island Press and is now available on Amazon for purchase. It is called The Naturalist, a graphic adaptation, and it's a graphic novel adaptation of the best-selling memoir by Edward O. Wilson. For those of you who haven't read his books, including his most recent Tales from the Ant World, he is an amazing and fascinating adventurer, a researcher, biologist, and entomologist who has been a staple at Harvard University since the 1950s. The book is literally packed full of biology and entomology concepts and words. It was fun and easy to be inspired by Edward O. Wilson's curiosity and obsession. I would highly recommend this book for teenagers who seek knowledge or any adult who wants to mix up their reading with something that will inspire them. And if you have younger kids in your life, today's interview is with Jenny Bailey, co-creator and author of a new book series for younger children, including a soundtrack which you may have noticed. The series is called Tales from Mother Earth, and Jenny will be talking today about their first book, which is about bees. Then she will share about their educational initiatives in the UK and their mission to empower younger people to become passionate and responsible stewards of the earth. Reach out to me anytime to connect at GetInMyGarden on Instagram, or leave a note on the website GetInMyGarden.com. Also, if you do go to the website, you can sign up easily for the newsletter there. I send out interesting articles and supplemental content through these emails, as well as news about GetInMyGarden and promos when possible. These will come a few times per month. Thanks for everyone who is listening and supporting the show. I appreciate you sharing around your favorite episodes, leaving positive reviews on the podcasting platforms, and subscribing so new episodes will show up for you. Great to connect with you on LinkedIn. I'm new there, and I was pleased to find so many great people. Yeah, it's a fantastic platform. It, it really is. Um, I connected with um, lots of conservationists and ecologists and scientists and uh, child psychologists and teachers. It, it's just a wonderful platform. It really is. There's so much support on there for us, which is just really, really lovely um, and, and really quite heartfelt. It's, it's, it's really, I'm finding it very, very supportive, LinkedIn. It's brilliant. I was looking at your website. You have a beautiful website and it looks like a great program that you have started. Yeah, your no, team. thank you, Aaron. Yeah, we've, uh, there's five of us in the team. So um, would you like me to go through and explain who we all are? Yeah, I would love that. And then how you're working with children and what we can all do. Yes. Okay. So there's myself as the author um, and co-founder. Um, my other co-founder is, uh, we call her Mother Earth, actually. She's uh, one of my best friends and she's got the voice of Mother Earth. And we wanted to use the voice really that can um, send that message through to children about conservation, because obviously it's, it's her earth. And there's a certain emotive element there, I think, that children can connect with. And there's an empathy that can be increased there as well between children and Mother Earth. So I think that was a really important thing to do. And hence, obviously, tales from Mother Earth. We've got a fabulous um, illustrator. She's done the most beautiful illustrations for us of Phoebe the Bee um, and some of our other um, stories, which is just stunning. 
regarding our illustrations, we wanted them to be anatomically correct. Um, we didn't want to be like a cartoon book because we wanted children to relate to this animal very strongly and knowing that it's out there in the wild and it, and it needs our help, really. So that was very strong to do that. We've also got a composer and he writes the most amazing, beautiful music. And again, that was to really enhance the, the message and the composition of what we were putting together to engage with the children. And I think that also raises the emotion, I think, very much. And so we can convey the message of conservation and looking after the animals that are featured. Adding the music to it takes it to another dimension in a way as well, because it not only just backs the story, but it also we have two tracks of music. One is the one that is backing the, the story, but then we have that in its own entirety, which when we go and do our story workshops with children, we tend to use that piece of music for the buzzy bee game because it's very buzzy and very bee-like and children can easily pretend that they're bees listening to that music. And then the second piece of music we have is what we call Mother Earth's theme. And I literally asked Chris, our composer, to actually create a piece of music that evokes nature. I wanted to feel the wind in the trees and I wanted to feel the majesty of nature. And I, I wanted him to capture that into a piece of music. When we tested it in the nurseries, a lot of the children, when they wanted quiet time in the nurseries, the children were like relaxing and lying down and that, that you couldn't hear a pin drop in the room. It was, it was really quite incredible. Then we also have Dwayne and he's our story editor and he's a primary school teacher. So he makes sure that our stories are also got the, not just the grammar and everything, but the vocabulary and, and the right touches, if you like, that's going to touch the curriculum to make sure that the, the English, the pronouns, all that kind of stuff is, is featured in the books as well. So it's got more of an educational value as well to the children. What is the goal in the UK or is it international that you're working on this project? Well, now the fact that you can sell online, really, it, it's international. I mean, we're, we're receiving orders from our website from all over the world. It's incredible. It really is. We've received orders from America, from Canada, from Australia and New Zealand and parts of Europe. So people can now just literally go onto our website and order Phoebe the Bee, for instance, and it will arrive with them uh, a few days later. So it's incredible, really, that it, it can do that. So we don't necessarily need to just focus on the UK. Phoebe can definitely spread her wings further. Can you talk about the children a little bit more? You're, I think I saw the age three to 10. Is that right? Yeah, it absolutely is. That's right. We've, we've made our book have quite a, a broad spectrum of age, really. When we tested it, it's got so many elements in it and stimulus that will keep a child active and learning, depending on their ability at the time, obviously, of when they engage with the book. It can be one of those books, I think, that can be on a child's bookshelf for a good five or six years and a child can dip into it. They can actually learn to read with it as well because we've included on the track a read-along version. So the little ones can listen to it to, to get them to rest and get them to uh, or to dance around like bees, for instance. They can listen to the story with a conservation message or they can actually learn to read with the story as well. So it has a huge amount of different elements within the story that children can get into at certain points in their development to understand, whilst all the time obviously taking on the message about the conservation message. So for instance, we've got the, the picture book, but then at the back of the picture book, there's a puzzle and there's a colouring in picture and there's a fun facts page whereby we go into the fact that a bee has five eyes and in a lifetime of a bee, um, they can produce what, a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey, for instance. And it's those kind of facts that 
children can consume and then they can go and tell their friends and go, I, wow, did you know that a bee produces a twelfth of a teaspoon um, of honey in its lifetime, which is really quite amazing. So I understand, you know, that we need to get children involved and also to capture their interest. Do you think children naturally gravitate towards the garden and conservation? Or do you think it's something that we have to present to them? I think children naturally gravitate towards nature, most definitely. When you let a three-year-old or a four-year-old outside and, and show them, I don't know, a butterfly on a flower and, and it, a ladybird lands on their hand or something, I think that's a moment of wonder for a child. I don't think at that age they obviously take on the message of the conservation and actually allowing their ability and their actions to help that insect or, or that animal or that life form that, they, that they've seen. Um, but I think over time, and you can use the empowerment, if you like, of if they're planting wildflower seeds, for instance, those flowers, uh, those seeds are going to grow. And once those flowers are there, then the pollinators are going to come along to those flowers. And that child will at that moment possibly comprehend that without their action, that those insects wouldn't be um, harvesting the nectar. They wouldn't be in front of them. And you can inform that to that child. So that child can feel empowered to know that they've done something really fantastic. And as they grow, that's the sort of development and understanding that, that a child can take on board. And from that point of view, I think they'll feel very pleased with them themselves and want to do more because that they've, they've done something really quite special. I love that. My focus a lot has been on the soil. Can you talk about the scope of the book and the work? And so I, I've seen a lot about pollinator insects. Yeah. Does it also go into the soil and the rest of the garden? We haven't actually done anything about the soil as such. What we've done is I've written now seven stories. The first one is Phoebe the Bee. The second one is Spike the Hedgehog that will be coming out next year. And we're really just going through this as an iterative process just to see how Phoebe the Bee is received. And if we can get her flying, then that will be a message because currently the bee is one of, well, I think it's the most important living species on the planet currently because of the pollination it does, because of its role, because of how amazing it is in so many different ways that some of them we don't even comprehend yet, I think. It's been termed as the most important living species by Earthwatch and National Geographic at one of their meetings. And because of that, we were going to be launching with Phoebe the Bee in March anyway, but when that came out, we felt, and rightly so, I think, we, we felt compelled to go, well, let's just go with Phoebe this year because she almost holds the bee kind of holds the accolade, if you like, for the environment. If we can look after the bees, then and that biodiversity and and bring them back because they're in so much decline at the moment, then hopefully everything else can can follow on from there. But the bee is so, so important at the moment. Over in the UK, for instance, what ninety seven percent of our meadows have disappeared. Oh so God. the thing that we need to do to help our bees and also the other pollinators is where it comes to the soil as well, is look at different farming practices possibly, and obviously plant more wildflower seeds and more, more wildflowers that the bees are going to benefit from. And they need a certain type of flower, don't they, bees, to actually benefit. And some, mm -hmm. of, the, some of the flowers that are being grown now in like garden centres, for instance, they're, they're not very good for the bees. So that's another education process. We need to inform children what flowers are beneficial. And then in the wider scale of things, when you look at the soil and you look at our practices in, in farming, for instance, I guess we need to look at the pesticides and we need to get that element under control because that's really knocked back the bees as well. That makes perfect sense. 
And just having parents who are interested in introducing their children directly to conservation, that is also an amazing thing because then those parents are certainly not going to be using chemicals. But as far as the bees go, they're just so fascinating. It's like an unlimited subject to study them. And I think it can make kids' brains fire up and get so excited. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just for children to be outside, that their brains can get fired up. There are so many benefits for children outside, psychological, physiological benefits as well. I think their hearing improves when they spend more time outside because there's so much noise for them to take in and, and pinpoint and listen to. Their eyes can get better as well because there is so much to see. But including in that, it can spark a whole love of being curious and wanting to learn more. And who, as a parent, who doesn't want their child to experience that kind of thing? It's literally all outside. You know, turn over a stone and and see the ants crawling on it and marvel at a beetle. And and just, you know, there's so many life forms outside that we could all learn from just to to witness and look at and, and learn that that life has a reason and then and then look at the reason and mostly it's survival obviously but if we just took a little bit of time to do that it's a, such a, a good thing for a child to comprehend and then to grow up appreciating nature appreciating the variety of nature in, in the wild and hopefully then if, if a child appreciates it and they learn to love it and respect it then they're going to look after it for future generations by capturing and talking to the younger end of the market, we are also capturing the adult, the companion of that child as well. Exactly. Maybe if, if they've walked away from nature or they haven't had that opportunity to experience it for themselves, then there's nothing more beautiful, I think, than sharing that experience and, and opening, opening their eyes to that experience together. I think that's really quite special. Absolutely. And then, of course, the alternatives are just pretty dangerous. I mean, the, the amount of uh, cell phone usage amongst children and, you know, the addictive qualities of those things, we need to get them back into nature so that they're, you know, they have so many better options. We do. I mean, we go out and do um, school story workshops with Phoebe the Bee, and, and we teach children in a, in a fun and positive, engaging way, really, why bees are in decline and how long it's been going on, really, and then what we can do to help them. And we all come out of those sessions buzzing, I guess, in some respects, but also the children really know and comprehend what we need to do to, to help bees. And it is all about planting wildflower seeds. And they also know that bees have been with us and on this earth an incredibly long time. So we do the whole um, time scale, if you like, from dinosaurs right the way to modern day. And we get them to engage with us and say, well, where do you think Phoebe joined us on, on this, um, on this timescale? It's incredible. It really is. Some people, some children think it's around the Egyptians and other children think it's around the um, Industrial Revolution. Wow. Um, and when we tell them that science tells us that it's back in the Cretaceous period of the dinosaurs, and then I think they almost breathe a sigh of relief in a way, because then we come back in time or, or come forward in time, sorry, to where we are and just say it's only been this period of time where they've been in decline. So, you know, what can we do to help them? Through our workshops and that engagement process, we inform them about some of those amazing facts, for instance, about the 12th of a teaspoon. We inform them how long they live. We look at their life cycle. We, we really educate them when it comes to bees. So they know that not to be scared of them. They know they need to respect them. They know they have a purpose. We look into pollination and the importance of pollination. We look into the whole relationship that bees have with plants as well and how important that is for us. And the fact that if we didn't have bees, we probably wouldn't have chocolate and, and lots of our foodstuffs would disappear from the shelves and that kind of thing. 
when you like, literally put it back to their lunch boxes and say, right, who has an apple in your lunch today? Or who has a pear in your lunch today? And we say, well, you know, if, 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 where are we going at the moment? If we don't help our bees, which obviously we need to, you wouldn't be able to have your apples and pears in your lunch boxes anymore. Brings it to the, the reality of this is now and, and we can do something to help. And everybody leaves there knowing that one person is not too small to make a difference. That's which I so think great. Is a really powerful message to, to send to children. And they are, they're buzzing when they leave and they just know that they're going to go out and plant their wildflower seeds and they're going to make a difference. And they're looking forward to seeing the bees come to their plants when they grow in, in due time. Um, and I, I love think that. it's really special. I think it's so awesome that they're not fearful of insects because many children, I think, have been taught to be yes. fearful. Yes, absolutely. One, one of the first ladies who, who read our book, one of the story, um, one of the school events, she actually came up to me and she said, you know what, I'm, my seven-year-old daughter used to be so, so scared of bees, but now she's read Phoebe the Bee. She knows that she needs to look after them and protect them, which was so special to us. It was so lovely to hear that. And, and since then, like we also include it really now in our, um, in our workshops to talk about the fact that bees sting, also why they sting. But then you, there's only what, there's 270 odd different types of bees in the British Isles alone. Mm -hmm. um, and you also get stingless bees as well. So the whole biodiversity, if you like, in, in the bee species is so vast and we only see a small proportion of those flying around. We need to open our minds, really, I think, as children, and we need to inform them and educate them and teach them about bees so they can look out for them and protect them for future generations. It's so, so important. And as far as conservation goes in the UK, how would you evaluate it at this point? I think we're all trying our best. I think we really are. Losing 97% of our meadows, I know there's lots of plans in place to plant wildflower seeds. I know the Wildlife Trusts are doing all sorts of things for um, road verges and uh, bee lines and that kind of thing. It does seem to be the topic of conversation at the moment. How can we help our wildlife, which is great. We obviously in the bigger picture, we need to live more in harmony with our environment. Definitely. The reason we started this really was because I felt we needed to do more. I wanted to do more to help. I heard Sir David Attenborough say that the Garden of Eden was no more last year. Not that it was depleting and not that it was in danger. He actually said it was no more. And I just thought, whoa, it's gone. Once something's no more, you can't bring it back necessarily. So I upped my game, really. I, I tried to do more. We recycled more and we, I planted my garden full of lavender. And I'm not a gardener as such, but I, I mm -hmm. needed to do more. And then obviously this is the more more we, we've been looking for that hopefully can make a difference and that can reconnect children with nature and maybe reconnect also like we said that generation that are, are older than children that have come away from nature you can take action towards a goal that you're you're wishing for desperately you're going to feel better about it and you're going to work to achieve it over time great message i t couldn't agree more we hope to move forward with the other stories that i've written and build the same format so a series can um can continue Excellent. Well, it's so awesome that you have five people together because the more people working on something, the more it can catalyze. They're a talented team and their passion, well, it's a shared passion of respect that they want to um, reconnect children with nature. And we're all very passionate about that goal. If you'd like more information about Phoebe the Bee and Tales from Mother Earth, visit talesfrommotherearth.co.uk. 
And you can reach me anytime to connect, to share ideas, or give feedback at Get In My Garden on Instagram or leave a note on the website, getinmygarden.com. If you do go to my website, uh, you can sign up for the newsletter there and you'll get interesting articles and supplemental content about Get In My Garden, promos when possible, and these will come only a few times per month. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show. I appreciate those of you who have shared around your favorite episodes, left positive reviews, and those of you who have subscribed so new episodes will show up for you. Until next time.